Welcome to the Wesleyan Storytelling Project. I'm Mia Lobel, class of 1997. This week we hear from Sheila Tobias, Wesleyan's first female provost. She worked at Wesleyan from 1970 to 1978, helping to usher in the era of co-education. My name is Sheila Tobias. I was at Wesleyan for eight years back in the 1970s. I came in here at the invitation of the president and the chancellor to help Wesleyan adapt to the women who were going to start enrolling the following year. So when I came, I came on the crest, really, of a second wave of activism by and about and for women. And here's where Wesleyan was unique, and I give it credit, and everybody ought to give it credit. Instead of hiring a dean of women, as they made the decision to go co-ed, who would usher the women onto a men's campus and into a men's culture. They hired an associate provost. They created this job for a high-level woman who was activist and feminist in her person to help Wesleyan adjust to the women. Now, that equation is very significant because the other colleges that were going co-ed at the same time, Yale, Princeton, Dartmouth, Williams, Amherst, had a very different perception of what they were going to do. They were going to take their men's college, keep it the way it had been, and add women to the mix and not in any way change their hiring policy or their culture or their curriculum. And Wesleyan, by inviting me, in, knew full well, and I knew that I was expected to have a radical transformation of this institution from what it had been for 137 years into uh, a 20th century. We thought 20th century then was uh, current. <laughs> a 20th century integrated co-educational institution. So it was a tremendous opportunity for me and uh, a tremendous opportunity for Wesleyan. That first year was uh, an experience that was uh, unique for me and for the women students because in your class and in the intro classes, you were in a co-ed institution. But if you ventured into an upper-level class or into a tutorial or into uh, a downy house where the faculty would dine, you were in a men's college because the upper three classes were still entirely, well, there were a few transfer students, but basically male. And the behavior of the professors, I noticed as an outsider, and I was by then 35 years old, I'd been myself a professor, so I was able to um, assess the uh, subliminal behaviors of the professors. They were professing too a male audience, no question about it. It was culturally very, very different. But in time, by year two, it, half the college was co-ed. By year three, three-quarters of the college were co-ed, and then we were entirely co-ed by 1974. My major work was feminizing the faculty. When I arrived, there were seven women on a faculty of 238, and every one of them had what I called a funny contract. And I don't mean to imply that it was oppressive or that it was uh, illegal. It was just odd. They had come here not in the normal way. A normal way is there's a big uh, solicitation of applicants. And the applicants come and they compete and they give talks. And then one or another is chosen. Several of them were sort of on campus having done something else, the Master of Arts and Liberal Studies or something. And when a program ended and they were here, they were given a kind of appointment 
to stay on, but everybody in their department knew that they weren't like everybody else. Or they had part-time work, and the part-time work was really not paid you know, appropriately, nor were they given scholarship support, the things that we expect as faculty to go along with the appointment. So we were still on the cusp. Uh, the women's movement was active, things were happening, but there was a cadre of older men who had not yet gotten the word and were uh, careless and prejudiced, deeply prejudiced, and not even aware. So we had wonderful kind of subtle educating to do. There was no way, and we never intended to tell the department whom to hire. I mean, that's not done, and that's not going to be healthy for the person who's hired. So it was just a matter of opening their eyes to a a group of people who were very able, whom they might not have met. In the end, we had 63 women on the faculty from seven, after seven and a half years. And I like to end the story the way I introduced Vera Schwartz, professor of history, the other day at a seminar. When Vera Schwartz graduated with a PhD from Stanford University, she was touted nationally as the best Chinese history scholar in the country. Everybody knew this marvelous person was on the job market, and she had offers from as many colleges and universities that she needed that had history programs. She chose Wesleyan and said publicly, after making her choice, before she arrived here, when people asked, why Wesleyan? You know, like Cinderella, how come this shoe fits on this little place in New England? She said publicly, and more than once, it was the vibrancy of the women's community at Wesleyan, by which she meant mainly the women's faculty community, which by then was, you know, 54 or so. And I felt in that moment that I heard that remark that I could leave. That was Sheila Tobias, Wesleyan's first female provost. The Wesleyan Storytelling Project is an opportunity for alumni to share their memories of Wesleyan with each other and the wider community. To record your own story or to suggest someone we should invite into the booth, visit westconnect.wesleyan.edu storytelling.